This episode is brought to you by TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com. TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com is your all access to culture. Check out cultural merchandise like leggings, hats, mini boxing gloves, and bags. Also, t shirts like hip hop, nature, rock bands, reggae, and dark fantasy. Fast shipping worldwide. That's TwoLinedMusicCutStore.com. Now, let's check out this episode. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we bring back a special guest. Listen, he's been on the platform twice already, but this time we're talking to him about strictly his productions and him as a producer. You know, we have in the building today, we have Bobby Connors from Massive B in the building today. What's going on, Big Boss? Hey, we are, you already know, we're adjusting to the weather in New York City. Bobby Connors in the building, you already know. Big up yourself, family. Big up all the uh, Canada family and everybody globally on the check-in. You know what I mean? You know how we do all here. Thank you again for coming back to the Entertainment Report podcast. It's all love, family. You know, it's all good. All right, but as I said, this time here, I want to talk about your productions because when it comes to your catalog, you have a sick catalog. And I don't think a lot of people really realize what type of catalog Bobby Connors massively has. We're going to go through today, all right? Yes, sir. All right. So with your even production journey, because I know you were producing house and stuff like before, but the first type of reggae-ish type of vibe I heard from you was a Muta Baruka on a, on a house type of beat. Yeah, Talk to me about that there. Well, that's basically like, before I started Massive B, I was just a street DJ, right? And, you know, that's before Massive B sound system, Massive Sounds, you know, so forth. And late 80s, you know, I was this DJing, you know, uh, pretty successful at it as well. And and the house music scene in New York was like similar like the hip hop scene. Everything played together, you know, as well as, you know, even like, you know, reggae dance hall. Mm-hmm. And I was the type of DJ that would play in clubs, but I would play a house music set or deep house music and, you know, some dance hall and, you know, a couple hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I just went, I, I wanted to get into the, the production avenue of the game. And uh, I used to do sessions and sit in sessions with uh, people, you know. Uh, I used to go to Long Island. There's a studio called HCNF with a producer engineer named Philip Smart. Mm-hmm. May not know him, but uh, he worked as an apprentice under King Tubby's. Okay. So I learned some my reggae things a lot from Mr. Smart, who's no longer with us, but a great dear friend and a, a, a one a beautiful person. Uh, and this learned kind of like how to build a rhythm as well as uh, this mixing from that aspect. Uh, and then the house music, like, I would just listen and I was influenced from a house music producer uh, by the Chicago sound, mm. you know, from tracks, records, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fingers, Larry Heard, uh, mm-hmm. DJ National. I like the drum sounds they were using as opposed to the New York club scene. Got you. And were very much influenced by the Roland 303 acid sound, the uh, Roland 909 drum machine, the 808, which mm-hmm. was uh, the hip hop. And also uh, what I would do for my house music productions, I would take in reggae, the keyboard I think they use a lot of times is the Yamaha CZ101 or CS101. I can't remember exactly. 
where you got that that that's that keyboard digital keyboard sound i implemented that in my house music productions and then i also sat in sessions learning uh uh listen to sitting in some sessions with arthur baker uh who did a lot of hip-hop in the early 80s the b-boy stuff i sat in sessions with colin colviles who were big house music uh producers as well as I was living in the projects in Queens, and I also sat in sessions with Marley Marr. Wow. So I was pretty cool with Marley at the time because I was working at WBLS. Mm-hmm. And I was just in the music library, and I, I was uh, uh, a guy that uh, actually hired me as his his right hand, like uh, was Fred Bugs. Mm-hmm. And this being around BLS and knowing that I'm DJing, what's what's my next thing? You know, uh, I wanted to learn more about producing in the studio. And back then, everything was digital. Quarter mm-hmm. reel-to-reel, tape, half-inch, 24-track. So moving forward, got into the studio, produced some independent records for some independent labels. They did kind of good. And uh, the money I made, I just... You know, like I'm a street guy hustler. Like, I'm just going to go, instead of having a book studio time for $75 an hour, $100 an hour, studio time back then was very expensive. Mm-hmm. After a little bit of success, I got picked up as a producer for Polygram Records in 1992. Okay, I made some money and I bought my own mixing board and my own 24 24- track two inch machine mm-hmm. and the 24 track two inch machine is the big reel to reels if you ever seen them they probably look like dinosaurs to the young <laughs> you know, they're big yeah. you know three feet by three feet by three and a half feet high the big reel to reel just imagine a cassette if they couldn't even know what a cassette is mm-hmm. being this big <laughs> that's what you would have your each you know 24 tracks you would have per song and I bought that, uh, you know, and that probably ran me between the both the mixing board and the machine ran me like thirty-seven US, thirty-seven thousand. Mm-hmm. But I knew the music I wanted to produce necessarily didn't have mainstream success, mm-hmm. so I didn't really. Uh, I seen what the house music label did with some of my productions, and mm-hmm. I just did the math. You sell. 2,000 records at $3.50 or $3 on consignment, that's $6,000. Right there. You know, you just, you know, where do I press the record? How do I open up a UPS account? And all these things. But, if you know, if you was an entrepreneur like Grassroots, you know, you're going to, you know, and the passion I had is to, to do what I wanted to do. Uh, I just started it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I uh, you know, even having a little bit of commercial success, I just said, well, I'm gonna, I want to put my own house music records out. I want to do my own dance or reggae music. Mm-hmm. And then I just started. And as I learned where to press the records, because uh, at first when I started Massive B, I would just let Sonic Sound in Jamaica press my 45s. Okay. And, and they you would go down to Jamaica every three months or six months or whatever frequently you went down, then you would, they would just tell you 
mm-hmm. what they sold. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're giving your song to a distributor who would actually press the record, so forth, so on. I didn't like that concept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I understand. Who's going to tell me the truth? <laughs> but I was up here pressing my own records on 12-inch mm-hmm. single an album so i was getting my money but then the 12 inch market kind of died in the reggae community mm-hmm. and i just said i you know because at that particular time a borough was working for me i said your borough go get the stampers and that's what they pressed the record off of i'm gonna press my own records in jamaica i'll bring them up and from the time i started my label in 92 mm-hmm. i was pressing records either in nashville tennessee and pennsylvania or in jamaica and basically, I would sell them out the back of my car. I would go to every mom and pop record shop, and I would have a receipt book. And you know, I would have my the hammer underneath the car seat. You know what I'm saying? And just go out and do road. And I would do road for like 10, 12 hours a day. Go home, sleep a little bit, and then go play in dances. And that's just basically how the label started. And as you develop your label, you learn more about it. And then that's where I realized. Massa B and my productions were if they like I tried so hard for everything to bust in Jamaica mm-hmm. you know like as a foreign producer a Brooklyn label you know what I'm saying boy you, you know reggae is the root it's the rock it's the original place you want your things to do well in Jamaica then I just realized is it sometimes there's just so much politics and money transferring sometimes it didn't even matter and I just realized globally there was a world out there that mm-hmm. liked reggae music and sometimes it didn't have to be whoever the current trend was in jamaica or artist wise mm-hmm. hence like with me and borough banton okay but before even borough let's go back to 92 because i know borough is a big part of your journey let's go back to 92 what was your first reggae production after the the muta Barukanda house beat? what was your first reggae production reggae, that you reggae production uh, my brain is good. Well, like on Massive B, basically, the, really, realistically, the first reggae production was uh, a reggae rhythm, a one-drop reggae rhythm, uh, kind of take a takeoff of the, the hot milk rhythm from Jamaica and from Studio One. Mm-hmm. A gentleman by the name of Sir Ralph, which was they had the, a team called the A-Team, Rasta man, he used to be in a group called Manyaka. He basically played the rhythm for me. Uh, we, we voiced the songs at Philip, I think Philip Smart Studio, and, and mixed it there. Because this was in the process of when I was getting my studio equipment. So on the first rhythm, I had Half Pint, Winner Takes It All. Can you feel it? Winner Takes It All. Nicodemus, a song called Ride in the Town. Ina Kamozi, Hot Stepper Returning. And then I had uh, a Brooklyn artist named Super C who played Spectrum Sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, his biggest song was Bad Boy, but he had a song in the rhythm. And uh, a Rasta artist that some people may know that wrote and originally did Prophecy, uh, Little Roy and Tribal War. I think there is two biggest songs, Prophecy and Tribal War, with mm-hmm. Fred Baker and George Nook sung over. Uh, I had them on the rhythm. Uh, and... Yeah, it was a good early early first production. You know, sonically, everything was great. It was mixed good. Philip mixed it for me. And, uh, you know, it did well. I mean, it, you know, it, it was a start. It started the journey, you know. I just got out the gate, you know. And that was in 92, your first rhythm there in Bubba. I think, so. 
92. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you have that one there. It, it's okay. It's doing some stuff in the streets. So then after that, what was your first? How did you link up with um Salam Remy for you guys to do the Supercat remix and stuff? For like late 80s, early 89, 90. Salam now is a teenage kid. Mm -hmm. I'm doing mixes for WBLS and I'm working there. I meet Salam through Chuck Chillout. Mm. He's carrying Chuck Chillout's records. Right? This time they have to bring your crate to the to the station and do your mixing and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm working, but I'm not a musician. Mm -hmm. I'm buying equipment, MPC, so forth, so on. I got it little everything, but Salam is a straight I was a I was a, a vinyl junkie. Mm -hmm. And then when I started learning the technical aspects of it, you know, I, I was getting into the beats and so forth, and I would listen to my records, and I would just need somebody to, to more or less chop it and, and loop it for me, because mm -hmm. I, did, I would not sit down and read manuals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I taught myself how to engineer. I mixed a lot of my records mm -hmm. in my studio in Brooklyn. You know, uh, we'll, go, we'll, we'll reach that level. But Salam was a beat, like a programmer. So I said, yo, Salam, we got cool. Cats is hollering at me to do some remixes. They, my name is buzzing. I said, let's, you know, I need some, I need, you know, some beats and so forth. Hence, our first project we did. Well, no, actually, he worked with me on my album, the Massive Sounds album on Polygram in 92. Okay. And the hit song off of that kind of was a reggae hip hop song by a local Brooklyn artist. And the song was called Mac Daddy. Mm. And that song did exceptionally well. And this is me now getting out of my Brooklyn state of mind and real and starting to learn that just cause it, it's playing in Brooklyn mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's a fucking big song. <laughs> you know, the, the sunshine doesn't rise in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn motherfuckers may think so, but it don't. <laughs> and then I'm realizing, oh shit, Cleveland ain't playing it. Dallas ain't playing it. Nobody in LA gives a fuck about it. You know, then I really I'm learning regions as a producer. I'm learning marketing and all this shit. Mm. I didn't grow up in the music industry, nor did my my family. So I'm learning shit. But in certain markets like Philadelphia, it was a fucking pop number one record. And like, who was the artist? A guy named Mikey Jarrett. He was a Brooklyn old reggae dancer. Yes, yes. Okay, so he was the one that gave you like uh some success in the business. Well, that song, that mm. song, I think. Like the pop, the, like the song was bigger than the names on the song. Mm -hmm. People in Philly just knew Mac Daddy. They didn't know the artist. They didn't know me. Mm -hmm. You understand? Once the song got big and then people associated the name with it, then we kind of got our credit. But it's like, it's like one hit wonders. Sometimes you know the song, you don't know the fucking artist. <laughs> so like I said, in Philly, that shit was playing next to Boys the Men and Mariah Carey, like in rotation. It was a pop record. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, me and, me and him, we're cool now, but it, it wasn't, shit got funny. So mm -hmm. I just said, you go do your shows and I'm going to do me, mm -hmm. so forth, so on. And uh, the song, it was just, it, like, you got to understand, I was signed to a label that had Luther Vandross and Vanessa Vanessa Williams. Yeah. They didn't really know what to do with that. And if I knew what I know now from like, or even 10 years after that, 
Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gave them such a diverse type sounding album. Got you. I would have probably just focused it more on like a hip hop side. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to being like, you know, reggae hip hop was played in New York and it played in some markets, but it was very hard for mainstream, or not even mainstream, back then you had an urban radio, for urban radio to, to, to play a reggae hip hop song. When they were just, you know, on the crest of playing more hip hop. For sure. In rotation. So, but I didn't really know about that stuff. I thought, shit, we hot in the streets. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so, you know, and then, and then well, after that, then me and, after we had did that, me and Slum linked up and Supercat had linked me. Mm-hmm. And he was with Robert Livingston at the time. And, you know, he used to work out of Phillips Smart Studio, so forth, so on. And uh, that's when we did the Dundada hip hop remix. And then the biggest one probably uh, to the, you know, to this date, which really helped, I think, uh, Supercat get to the hip-hop people was the Get A Red Hot remix we did. What was the thinking behind that remix where you said, okay, this is how we're going to make it this way? Tell well, me how you guys came up with that. Uh, simple. I told Salam we need a banging beat, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of Americans may not understand his patois. Patois may sound Spanish to a Yankee, mm-hmm. right? So we got to give him a beat that the DJs can just yo, this fucking beat is ri- ridiculous. Or they'd say back in the day, retarded. You know what I'm saying? So we gave him a banging beat, mm-hmm. right? And if you listen, we had that old reggae sound on the bass line still, the Yamaha, you know? Mm-hmm. And we put that in there. We you know, got the beat and added our effects and so forth. And I just told Salam, let's make the beat. Because this is pre-digital now. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is where it gets funny. Make the beat, the similar tempo as the dancehall song, the original dancehall song. Mm-hmm. So when we fly the vocals in, it will sit on the rhythm close, mm-hmm. right? And then you say, well, how are we gonna fly the vocals in? And this is, I have to, you know, pat myself on the back. I said, I have a half inch reel to reel tape. Mm-hmm. We're gonna bounce the vocal off of the 24 track two inch to a DAP machine. Then we're gonna bounce the vocal from the DAP machine onto the half inch eight track. Now, why is the half inch eight track machine important? It had pitch control. Mm, okay, so it's like a turntable almost like. But you had to finesse it, because when you hit the play button, it's not like digital, it starts right away. There's that, then it starts. Mm-hmm. So, some, yo, I'll never forget, so we're in <laughs> D&D studio. <laughs> D&D studio now, right? Manhattan, 37th Street, between 9th and 10th. The crackheads are outside. And fucking, and and this is a studio where I even introduced Premier to, and that's where he did a lot of his work, so forth, so on. Because prior to me working there, it was kind of like a reggae studio almost. I heard like Dennis Brown and some of them guys used to work in there. Okay. So, but it was it was run by some, you know, New York guys, so forth, so on. So we're in there working, and I'm trying to catch it. And Salam's sitting on the couch, you know, falling the fuck asleep. And I'm finally catching, catching, catching. <laughs> so I finally catch it. I'm riding it through, riding it through. And then, you know, you listen to it. Okay, well, we got the first minute done. <laughs> Go back, rewind the reel. We'll catch it. And then tell the engineer, yo, hit the record button, you know, as it's on beat. And it it, it took a minute. <laughs> but then, you know, I, like, well, like how we would, like, try to deceive or trick the people sometimes. 
if if you feel like the, the the vocal might be shifting a little bit or whatever, but it's not to the point where you feel like you got to do it over, in the mix maybe add a little echo to the vocal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people will notice that then. Back yeah. then, it's like we're mixing live. Mm -hmm. You know, yo, slum. You got to take out the, the 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 kick and the snare here. I'll bring in the baseline, or you know, we're doing it live, and you're trying to get certain passes, and you might have like seven or eight different passes, or when you're bouncing the mix down to that, and you choose the best ones, or you might just say, "Yo, fuck it, I'm tired. I'm gonna take the first minute and a half of this one, the second verse of this one, and you might go to the tape and edit it together." But I think we got, I think we got the pass done in one take. You know, that's how. You know that's how a lot of a lot of the records were made. Then you know, because then after that, like Slam was doing, he, he created his name and had great successes doing his thing, and I'm doing my thing. And then I started doing this more hardcore reggae dancehall, and uh, just started voicing in Jamaica and working out a Junior Reed studio. I mean, I I, I voiced everywhere from yeah. from from Jammies to Black Scorpio, but I worked out a Reed studio. Junior Reed Studio, and then I did a lot of work. Most of my work I did at Anchor, aka Music Works, at Guzzy Clark Studio, mm -hmm. which uh, he had three rooms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we would just work on the side room in the back, the small room. But I mean, we worked, you know, I mixed songs there. Uh, I worked mainly with Tixie, R.I.P. Mm -hmm. Tixie, a great engineer. Uh, people may know him uh, with working with Sizzler and Anthony B. And then also Dr. Marshall, a uh, great engineer. People may know him because he, he may have bleached his hair blonde. You mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, great engineers. And, uh, yeah, I would just go to Yard then at that point. Uh, well, I linked with Burrow around 93, 94. And I just said, well, you you know, I don't want to say, you know, you, you're dealing with Supercat, your voice for a while, Apache. Y'all do your thing. But then Supercat got signed to Columbia and Burrow just said, yo, I want to start with Vice and Ray. And we just started linking up and Burrow was in the South Bronx at the time and I was in Bed-Stuy and Burrow would just take the train down and uh, we just started working. And then actually we did a boom with this hip hop remix. Yes. Uh, and then video. And then we just started working and he was just started voicing on, on, on my rhythms, you know. Uh, then Burrow went back to Jamaica around 94, 95. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just set up shop down there. You know, I started renting an apartment from Burrow's sister in mm -hmm. Dwayne Park. And I used to be in J Jamaica to the point where they, at immigration, they saying, yo, Condes, you need a visa next time you come. <laughs> you know? And we started voicing, doing work. You know, and I love the foundation thing, and, and I realize people around the world love it. And that's mm -hmm. and always play in Jamaica, the foundation rhythms, but... I had, I found a sound where I would relick foundation rhythms, mm -hmm. but give them a little current feel, but mm -hmm. it lose the essence of the, the, origi the, the original sound. Mm -hmm. And like some of them rhythms, like say for instance, when I put my Stalag rhythm out, it didn't necessarily get crazy play in Jamaica, but around the world mm -hmm. globally, People loved it because I had Nicodemus on it doing Susie Wong. I had King Kong on it doing Call Mr. Madden. And that's a story in itself, That getting that song. Tell, tell us about it because this is what we're here for today. Yeah, well, I was in England mm -hmm. around 92, 
92, I think 92, over there, uh, the label took me over there. Mm -hmm. This is still Polygram? Yeah, Polydor, Polygram, I think they're the same shit. Mm -hmm. uh, and I linked up with King Kong, because I, I obviously couldn't get with Tennis on. I said, I want some dub plates. Mm -hmm. So I voiced a bunch of dub plates with King Kong. And when I came home, I had the Stalag rhythm. Uh, I, I I chopped up my dub plate. Mm -hmm. He, my friend, a guy, a guy named DJ Nasty. Yeah. Right? We chopped it up in the MPC, and then we flew in the vocals. And if you notice on that song, it'll say Massive Sounds in one or two places. I try to take mm -hmm. it out. I try to take it out uh, as much as I could. And I didn't want this to be a dub plate. You know, so some people probably didn't even realize it was a dub play. And, and uh, he ran into a situation. So I called my friend. I met Tim Westwood years ago, who's a big hip-hop DJ. Mm -hmm. Yo, Westwood, find Kong. Is he, I guess he was locked down for a second. Mm -hmm. Send his money to him. I want to send him a food because I'm putting the song out. No, especially I didn't want to feel like I'm taking... And putting this, I paid him for a dub plate and paid him for a 45. For I sure. Food over there, and he was locked down in Ray. And that's how my relationship with King Kong started. Aside from doing the dubs, the fact that he was locked down, I'm putting a song out, and I'm reaching out all the way from fucking Brooklyn to send his little this, the food. You know what I mean? You're locked down. Anything is, everything helps. So, sure. Westwood was my, is a good friend of mine. I met him. And he used to stay with me in the early 90s in Brooklyn. You know, I'd carry him around and introduce him to Funk Flex and so forth. Uh, and uh, <laughs> not <a> funny, <laughs> I got a story with Westwood. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, the, yeah, and that's how that happened. Then I voiced Rankin Joe because I met Rankin Joe, uh, who's like, say, a Boro Banton's idol, you know, okay. Rankin Joe. He was in the Bronx, mm -hmm. and I put Joe on the rhythm. And uh, then I went, was in Jamaica and I voiced a bunch of younger artists on the rhythm. Uh, and then some local artists. I was just, you know, always like Red Fox. Mm -hmm. You know, Red Fox was popping at the time. Uh, I had an artist by the name of Prisoner of War from Seaview that was bad. Duckman, mm -hmm. uh, Dwayne Park. So, like, you know, I just, you know, them times you'd voice 10, 15 songs on a rhythm, you know? And how did how did that rhythm do for you now? Because now you're a bit more seasoned. But was this your first time actually going to Jamaica and voicing that rhythm? No, I, voiced, I think I voiced in Jamaica before that. Mm -hmm. And how did it do even, okay, uh, because I know with the Stalag, because you come from like a house hip-hop type of background, that had a hip-hop-y type of feel to it. Your Stalag. Yeah, you know, the, American, the hip hop crew, at least the Yankees in general, love to ring the alarm. <laughs> ring the alarm. So that was always just a big, you know, certain staples in that era that the hip hop DJs would play, like DJ Red Alert and so forth. You know, you know, uh, so people loved the slang tang, buddy by buddy by, you know, so forth. Uh, so, oh, I had Johnny Osborne on the rhythm too. Mm -hmm. You know, I had Johnny Osborne on the rhythm. So to me, I was. Like me as a reggae fan, I'm meeting all my, my all my idols. You know, I'm just working with people. I love their music. So, and then I never had, you know, this trying to put a younger artist on the rhythm and, you know, you know, hey, yeah, you're helping somebody out. 
And uh, like, like I said, globally, as I press the 45s, Mm-hmm. certain 45s just would always like i guess realistically the two biggest on the rhythm was the nicodemus Susie wong and the johnny osborne rubber dub mm-hmm. i think they're the two that stick in my brain that i would continually press on 45 other than if you had the album mm-hmm. uh you know I, I i'd have to look at my catalog to see uh chronologically Mm-hmm. What songs came where? Because I think after the half pint came the New York City Badman project, our Rude Boy project, and because that came after Ghetto Red Hot. What was this the Badman project? Who was on that project, or exactly what is that First project? Started out as Rude Boy on my label, mm-hmm. right? And on that project, you had Louis Rankin, right? AKA. Uh, what's his What's his movie name? Teddy Brookshot. Shaggy, Red Fox, Captain Remo, and Junior Demas. Okay. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh shit! I, you know what I forgot? <laughs> yeah, yo. <sighs> this might have happened right after after the half pint rhythm. The winner takes it all. I I, 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 I I did a rhythm similar to the arms house rhythm and the bomb bomb. And this is one of my first voicing in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So it's around 93, I'm guessing. 92, 93. Uh, <clears throat> I had a song on the rhythm. I re- we Back then, a lot of dance hall and reggae artists would re-sing American songs. Mm-hmm. So I had a girl I met, an American girl in my neighborhood that did backgrounds for me on the massive sounds project on polygram incredible mm-hmm. singer her name was Makeda. Mm-hmm. we redid real love mary j blige okay it did exceptional in new york right and then i had major mackerel on the rhythm junior demas Simp- simpleton oh I can't even remember everybody. I'd have to open up my laptop and then I'm going to mess up your visual here. <laughs> uh, you know, so that, and then after that rhythm, mm-hmm. I did the rude boy, uh, the New York city rude boy. And that was me and Salam now back in the studio. This is 93 probably. And mm-hmm. lot, yo son, shit was popping. And, mm-hmm. and, and how I said this album, I said, we're going to, I'm going to lick a reggae rhythm. Mm-hmm. Right, and the, everyone's gonna voice on the reggae rhythm, and then we're gonna take the vocals and make an independent hip hop remix. You know what I'm saying? So everyone, even though they're on the same reggae rhythm, the one side's gonna be dancehall, mm-hmm. other side's gonna be hip hop. The dancehall side didn't do so great. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm still working on my production and working with musicians and trying to figure it out. Sometimes I would connect and sometimes it wouldn't. I didn't think the dance rhythm did that great. But the hip hop did great. Because oh, as other artists, I had Shaggy on it, Red Fox, Louis Rankin, Captain Remo, Junior Demas, oh, and the next Brooklyn artist, Reverend Badu. Mm-hmm. And he had a song called Bob Scucci. Mm-hmm. And that like Bob Scucci and Louis Rankin No Move. Mm-hmm got crazy play in New York by the, the hip-hop DJs. Okay. 
Louis Rankin's song was on the substitution beat. Hip-hop cats, do your homework, substitution beat. I think that's the beat they might have used for OPP and a hundred other big hip-hop songs. Listen to the drum track now, not the piano, the drum track. And then on Bob Scucci uh, was the Impeach the President beat, I think. And that was another classic. This is New mm -hmm. York rap, right? And the hip-hop DJs cutting that shit up. Mm -hmm. Playing and Louis Rankin had the stupid intro, but then Badu's song was wicked. When Louis Rankin's Manah Move, Mashata, da, 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 you know, and then and, and Reverend Badu was Bob Scorchy, Manah Screechy, and then da, 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 Manah left me, yo, it was, it, shit was winning, son. That Whereas the independent label called Stepson, which was owned by Bill Stephanie, who had his own independent label, and he was, was a big man at Def Jam. Okay. He just liked the project and said he wanted to pick it up. And then it, be, it went from New York City Rude Boy to New York City Badman, got picked up by Bill, and then they licensed Get a Red Hot, I guess, from Columbia. Mm -hmm. One, two other songs I had did, or remixes I had did, I think, and they put it on there. I think Boujou had a song on there. I, I remixed the Boujou song, and maybe even a Cuddy Rank song, I can't remember. Mm. So when did you connect with, how far down the journey did you connect with Mad Lion? Oh, I knew Mad Lion before he was Mad Lion, like in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And then when he linked with uh, KRS and did their thing, they, they shit just flew off. Yeah. But he had a song before the KRS link, before all of that, where he remixed on the Audio 2 Top Billing Beat he chopped up Mary J. Blige's Real Love. Started, <clears throat> he started DJing on it. And he had that on 45, I think. Uh, we was playing that. And then he started just getting, getting you know, his thing popping. And then he voiced he voiced a, a couple songs on Massive B as well. He because the Shoot to Kill video. The Shoot to Kill video. You're in that Shoot to Kill video. Yeah, and I was yeah I was also in one of care a uh, 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 funk flexes video at that time, but yeah yeah I mean I it was all Brooklyn all connected we're you know we're on the radio we're we're hot we're hot in New York you know what I'm saying we think we hot globally but you know we hot in New York. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the funny thing with it, a lot of time Brooklyn dictated what was happening, even if it was couple months after the fact, Brooklyn at that time, especially the hip-hop market and the uh, reggae market. Because then, obviously, you have Biggie Smalls and uh, uh, Craig Craig Mack and so forth. You know what I'm saying? And and, and like like I said, uh, I think in the last interview, when we did like, when we did reggae hip-hop remixes, mm -hmm. we was doing that like not to change people from liking reggae or dancehall, we was doing it to introduce the song to the Yankee market because mm -hmm. Americans, straight Yankee DJs, were not really outside of New York now. We're not playing the reggae or dancehall. Mm -hmm. But with some marketing or promotion or the right beat, you might get some DJs in Philly or elsewhere, Miami, D.C., the play your song like yankee djs obviously the caribbean dj the reggae the dancehall dj is gonna play the authentic thing we did that just you know to try to introduce our songs 
the different markets that we're not playing our music and then try to sell some units. You know? Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, right? We win it. We, we, we in the streets. We win in. And now at this point, massive sounds, massive B sounds, we're booked out five nights of the week. Hmm. God is tired of fucking seeing me every night. You know what I'm saying? We're in the dances. Cats are getting smoking and drinking, having living the fucking best life. And... You know, and then I'm, I got my studio popping. I'm doing, cutting a million fucking dub plates. Money's running. Okay, you were cutting dubs too. Not physically cutting them, voicing them and mixing yeah. them. Mm -hmm. And then obviously get the dub cut at Don One Studio in mm -hmm. Brooklyn, you know, or Jamaica. And then there was some other basement spots in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, uh, you know, I voiced, you know, a million fucking dubs. Anyway... 95 is a good year. Mm -hmm. I link up. I'm friends with Johnny Wonder. Right? We're linking up. He giving me the gasoline. We're playing Bounty Killer Hard on the radio. He's that fucking guy. He's winning. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, we're connected now with Killer. And obviously Killer's not the most pleasant person sometimes. Mm -hmm. But Killers, my G, and he links, and I just said, "Yo, I got my fucking label. Got my, I got a rhythm. You already know the, the 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 history, the track history of 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 what I'm working on. I'm doing good. Link up, boom, go to Jamaica. That burrows back in Jamaica. So now I'm staying in Dwayne Park when I fly back, right? And me and Burrow, I link Killer." But I, I, I don't even know. I probably, I, this free, I don't think I was digital yet, like fucking sending emails. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going down there. Probably, maybe a CD, mm -hmm. FedEx the CD or something. You know, the Boro said, you'll find Killer, make him hear the rhythm. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a rhythm called Black Riot. Mm -hmm. The Black Riot rhythm. Link up with Killer. He comes to Anchor Studio. He's cross. He's angry. This is before he's cross and angry. He's just miserable. <laughs> the motherfucker sees an artist he don't like, backs out his ratchet. Mm. They start, like, he gives him, you know, talks his shit, whatever. Duckman there. Duckman loved the fuckery because he's a, he's a bad man. Everyone's a bad man. And get killer in the studio. He calms down. And he voices suicide and murder. Number one fucking song, right? This, you know, this is straight. Press the forty-five. I got the rhythm now. A voice and we're just experimenting because I don't. I didn't go to school for this shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, pardon my ignorance or uneducation or lack of certain things, mm -hmm. but we're just working off of the vibes. And now we're. The other songs we voiced at Junior Reed Studio. You know what, though? See, I even skipped the fucking rhythm. No. Yeah, I think I skipped the rhythm because the year before that, because mm -hmm. this is how I met this artist, but we'll go back to that rhythm since we're here. Mm -hmm. Voice. I had an artist in Queens uh, I was working with. Yeah, so this is 95. I got to tell you about 94 then. So in 95, 
of Bison, an artist named Devin Clark. Mm. Kind of a Pentor. King Kongy type of song. Yeah. He voices a song called Make Them Go and Talk in combination with Jigsy King. I got Little Hero on the rhythm. I link up, Scorpio links me in Brooklyn, he brings them by. He voices uh, a song on the rhythm. So I got them two. Go, now I'm going to Jamaica. Well, they voiced actually, actually after Killer. So I was in Jamaica, I voiced Killer. Burrow does a song on the rhythm, and then I get uh, Chiller Inch, Chronicle, and Burrow to do a combination. Mm. You know, this, this vibes, and yo, again, man, let's see where it goes. And Killer's on it. So that's five songs. Oh, and then you had a Queens artist, had a buzz, Yankee B. He had a song mm -hmm. called Chick. So all these songs come out. Yankee B gets his big bust off of that in New York called with we'll Shave Him. Uh, Devin Clark got a little vibes off of Make Them Go On Top. And uh, Killer Songs obviously takes the rhythm. Number one dance all song. And then I remix it. And at this time, my boys from East New York, Brooklyn, is Blasey Blah. Mm. We're friends. Mm -hmm. so we all know each other. Right, that's just even the whole knowing, uh, knowing uh, this motherfuckers is killing my phone. Uh, knowing Guru Premier, uh, you know we're all, all Brooklyn links. Yeah, you know as I'm saying, that's Gangstar. In case people don't know who Guru and Premier are, mm -hmm. and then uh, Lazy is 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 is, is uh, Martel. He's the rapper. And then P.F. Cutton is the DJ producer. Okay, so I link with them. And I said, yo, they had When the East is in my house. Oh, my God. That song's gone. I said, yo, can I get a cut of the beat? As Jamaicans would say, can I get a cut of the rhythm? But it was a beat. <laughs> so they said, yeah, let, let's go. We came into my studio, kind of chopped it up. Obviously, I know how to fly in vocals. So I fly in the vocals and we take a piece of ice cream from Wu-Tang, put that in a piece of it because that shit was, was hot. And it's mm -hmm. like fucking ultimate remix, right? But then you had a rapper that we're all friends named J.Ru the Damager. Damager, boss. J.Ru the Damager had some hot songs. Mm -hmm. I just said, yo, son, can I get a verse? I got Bounty Killer. Cats, you know, hip-hop cats, especially in Brooklyn, they, 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 they fucks with reggae artists. You know what I'm saying? They rate them. So, yeah, man, fuck that condos. Let's go. Come to the crib. You know, I'm in, like, in a project-type building, so I had everything set up in the living room. The microphone was set up in the kitchen. That's how we made a lot of these songs. You know, like, they'll play everything. Everybody was... I, I, I wish I was, like, wasn't, like... Everybody was more of a gangster mentality back then. We don't need no fucking pictures. Fuck a picture. Fuck mm -hmm. a groupie motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Nah, about, you know, we ain't taking up. No, fuck a picture. Yo, sir, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Because everybody went through that apartment. Every artist that you could imagine. Ninja Man, fucking everybody. Half pint, okay. every fucking body. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jay Rue came in, did his verse, mixed it right there, went to press. Next thing you know, that shit, the hottest shit in New York. It's getting daytime rotation. I'm fucking thinking I'm Barry fucking Gordy, son. Motherfuckers <laughs> 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 don't know who Barry Gordy is. I'm thinking I'm fucking. Okay, Dr. Dre. You know, mm -hmm. 
I got shit playing on Hot 97 in rotation, son. And remember, this is before you even get to Hot 97. No, no. The radio show started in like 93, 94. Funk out to me. Funk Flex, because I knew Flex before he was on radio. I knew him in the late 80s when he was DJing for a rap group. You understand? And we was just all connected. You know, knowing him, knowing Salam, knowing Salam's father. Salam's mm-hmm. father did work with the Fat Boys. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, so forth, so on. So it's just cats knowing each other and it's connected. Life is a, some, it's relationships. And, and it's like cats ain't even really politicking, mm-hmm. but we're building relationships without knowing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, flex, you know, how does it mean I do the radio show? And then like this song, this song was ridiculous, son. Cause like I said, 95, they're still playing reggae hip hop in New York. Like cats are fucking with it. The hip hop DJs are going from their couple reggae songs and couple dancehall songs they play to fucking playing reggae hip hop. And the, the hip hop DJs, you know, just love that shit. Cause you know, it just had that energy and that vibe. And Killer's song was like, that's like, Obviously, we know the hits Killer has in the dancehall market, and Suicide Murder is a hit in the dancehall market, but that catapulted to hip-hop cats that weren't, say, messing with dancehall. For sure. And and had the crazy intro, and it just worked. Hence, let me go back to 94 now, because I skipped the whole fucking rhythm, which was a big rhythm. Now, at this particular time, I'm, 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 I'm shelling. I'm doing great, because... I've got New York locked. My shit is popping in Jamaica because in Jamaica at that particular time, I started running advertising about, about 93. I started running advertising in the X News. Okay. First DJ producer to do that shit, record label to do that, right? And I'm taking little half pages, quarter pages, Massive B. Mm-hmm. Book Massive B. I had a picture of me and Jabba. Bobby Khan is 718-399-8897, whatever the fuck my Brooklyn number was at the time, right? Call or, 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 or leave a message. Mm-hmm. But then I would also have the name of my productions, whatever rhythm I put out. So I got that going on in the X News. And then on Thursday nights on IRA FM in Jamaica, if you lived in Jamaica at the time, or if you're really into the reggae dance I'll seen at the time, you might notice, they used to sell advertising. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the record labels. Mm-hmm. So I would spend like, I don't know what the fuck it was, maybe 500 a week or whatever. And I would, you know, this is U.S. now, 500 U.S. So for the next 15 minutes, you're going to hear Massive B, Massive B Records. And G.T. Taylor was the host. Bam. And I fucking had that run for a couple of years, I think, till it just started killing my pockets. And all I was killing my pockets. But I was looking to bust my label, bust my sound, and and this Ray. We're, we're, bu- we're going to New York. We're playing weekly with Afrique, Jagger B, and Super Claude. Rory was always in New York with Stone Love. You know, Matterhorn had just left Addie's. So we're playing in all the round robin dances, the weekly dances, the gangster parties, you know, you know, for all the, all the shooters, you know what I mean? All the top dogs. And, and we're playing there. And then, you know, obviously we're booked out, you know, to the point where I had to incorporate more people in the sound, like 97, 98. Uh, but we're always booked, you know, five nights of the week from like Tuesday. Shit. Our only night off might have been Wednesday. Wow. 
you know. So for years that was going on. And I think you know, Afrique at that particular time, Steely played for Afrique, Super mm -hmm. Witch, Crazy Richie. Afrique was like the New York Stone love at that time. Uh, then obviously, you know, you had Rory was the hot boy for Stone Love and Slaughter came, so forth. And uh, some of the New York sounds that were the Clash sounds, obviously with the Clash sounds now. See, that's the difference. People, uh, you know, Addie's was the Clash sound. Mm -hmm. Danny Dredd and Babyface, Matt Orner left them, you know. Uh, and then obviously Addie's picked up more MCs. I think Winterfresh at the time or something. Uh and then you had like Libra Love in New York, mm -hmm. the top juggling sound. People don't realize Major Hype played for Libra Love. So he played for Libra Love first before he got to Massive B. He played for a bunch of sounds before he got to Massive yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, even before, you know, your, your, your sounds in the late 80s, early, early 90s, your class sounds were in Brooklyn were LP, Earth Ruler, Spectrum, and King Addies. Mm -hmm. You know, they were like, and then Downbeat in the Bronx and so forth. Uh, but your, your weekly sounds that were playing in, in the parties mm -hmm. was definitely like the Afrique with Claude, Jagger, B, Super Twitch, so forth. I, I don't know what year Steely left Africa, I can't remember. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then, you know, Massive B and Libra Love and Mr. Do had a sound. That was mm -hmm. Super Do. Super Do sound. Mm -hmm. With Slick and those guys on it. Next, Then they left and went started Next Level mm -hmm. when Do stopped doing it or whatever. And uh, I'm just, I, I can't remember all the sounds. But yeah, so uh, she was popping. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about 94 now. This is, the, this is, this is how I met Chronicle. Mm hmm right this is the, now is the sick rhythm i said yo fuck that i want to put the sick, mm -hmm. sick rhythms from brooklyn i link up peter fm force he's the one that originally put the sick rhythm out with red fox and naturally down in jamaica jamaica nice said jamaica right i said i'm gonna take a piece of the rhythm and loop it and and build drums around it mm -hmm. right so i kind of took some my hip-hop vibes and did that with the sick rhythm. And then I, I said, you know, Barrington Levy's my singer, hmm. right? Dad, I missed a lot of shit. But <laughs> Barrington Levy's my singer, mm -hmm. right? But I don't know if I can fucking uh, find Barrington or whatever. You know, me and Barrington's very good friends, but he's my singer. But I hear a dub plate by Metro Media. Hmm. My sound is the greatest. And who the fuck is this? Hmm. I'm in Jamaica, Junior Reed Studio, right? And someone says, oh, that's Chronicle from Spanish Town. I said, yo, does anybody know this guy? I want to voice his song, but I'm going to change it. Hmm. Instead of, a, I just don't want to do a sound song. I said, yeah, then find him, boom, in the studio within the hour. Said you introduce myself, Ray Chronicle. It's good. Da da da. Let's change it into a God lyrics. My God is the greatest. Whatever or whoever your God is, mm -hmm. if you believe in a God or not, it, that's preference, personal preference. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to judge. Do you? Mm -hmm. So it could be some people believe in the sun is their God, gives all forms of life, whatever. 
I just said, I think it'll be, you know, a good vibes. I want the same energy, though, that you gave me on the dub plate. Don't try to smooth it the fuck out because it's a record. I want this voice like it's a dub plate, but where you say sound, say God. Wherever else you got to fix, we'll fix. Ray, me, Boro, Junior Reed in the studio. We're working on the Junior Reed studio at this time. And uh, uh, he voiced the song. Massive hit. Give us Chronicle his bust. Especially in Europe. Hmm. Boro voices now. You got to remember now. Burroughs spent time in New York. Burroughs' mm-hmm. heyday was the 80s in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Never really got the voice on the right rhythms in Jamaica. He never got that opportunity because if he'd have voiced these songs he voiced for me, say for a King Jammies, they'd have Burrow differently. Burrow's an icon, but he's an icon from a live DJ and the songs he voiced for Master B. But if them songs were the voice in the 80s, Jamaica, yeah. the songs would have been bigger. Because okay. The songs I did with him were after his heyday, but they went globally. Mm-hmm. But they all didn't really get the play he deserved in Jamaica. Got you. Different argument now. Mm-hmm. But Bora Voices, West Lord Sensi, massive f- song around the world. Mm-hmm. Like in the, in the reggae world, especially Europe, Italy, Germany. Them places, forget it. Burrow's a god. Uh, this is now I'm in a record store in Queens, and that's when I met Devin Clark. Mm-hmm. And he does a song called Stop the War, Stop the War, Ray, in that whole tennis all vibe. Mm-hmm. Voice him, and then I go to voice actually an artist on dub plate in Ocho Rios. And actually I go to voice number 45, an artist by the name of Future Troubles. Mm. I go to Ocho Rios. I go to, what the fuck studio was that? Roof International. Roof, yeah. Yeah. The song voice already. I will fuck it. Give me, give me the 45. Mm. Buro tells me, yo, that youth that bad. His name is Chiller Inch. Mm. All right, so this is prior to us in 94. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, yo, Ringe, chilla, come. You know, we're link them up, come to Junior Reed Studio. We're going to voice. Put him on the rhythm. I got Duckman under him. I got Prisoner of War under him. So, them six songs mm-hmm. Burrow, Chronicle, Devin Clark, Chilla, Duckman, and Prisoner of War, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I just felt the rhythm in the songs were bad. I didn't really, it was hard sometimes to always get the top artist, you know, especially in Jamaica as a foreign producer. For sure. And then sometimes the, 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 this, the, with the attitude or the money cap, some of the artists that won, I was like, son, I mean, you're seeing me, but you don't know me. Mm-hmm. I'm not Mr. Goofy from Colorado. <laughs> you know Brooklyn, no Brooklyn. Disrespect, no disrespect to Colorado, but I'm not that motherfucker. I'm not your roots rock reggae guy. You know what I'm saying? I love reggae, but I'm not that motherfucker. These bitches ain't twisting my hair up. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So, it's all good, son. If that's, you know, that's why some of the them artists I didn't fuck with at the beginning because I ain't, I ain't Mr. Silly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I just put the rhythm out. Shit did great around the world. Like, record shops and this is where i'm learning about italy and switzerland at this time in germany and japan and getting accounts all over them like oh shit 
these motherfuckers are hollering at me and here i got accounts and records on consignment around the fucking world crazy and and i'm selling shit out my garage and out my car in the dead of winter freezing but when it's your thing and you're doing it from the from the streets or some people say from the grassroots like if, if, if you're doing it from what you love, and this is me spending my money, producing my music, pressing my records, and hustling, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the very few people are going to outwork me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm especially when it comes to this, being outside and in the streets. That's my shit. I can't sit behind a fucking desk. That's why I'm the worst at the digital game. Yeah. But when it's, when it, for all them years, them 20 years of doing that, mm -hmm. I did that. So that's the sick rhythm and i even forgot like i forget what year i released the taxi rhythm because somewhere in that year 93 or 94 95 i was putting so much fucking records out yeah that's when junior reed did bubblers yes 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 and johnny osborne reese uh sing over reasons and on that rhythm probably reed's song was the biggest mm -hmm. you know and junior reed heard of me because I had remixed one of his songs probably back in 92 or 93. I might have did the Taxi Rhythm in 95. I can't remember. But mm -hmm. some, this is all between 93 and 97. I can't remember. Because so many things is going on. There was one person that I know you only did one song with him. And this was like a Soundboy song. Garnet Silk. How did that happen? Oh, that's way years later, son. You, you're, you're, in the, you're in 2008. That's way late. I thought this was in the night. No, this would have been 90-something. I met God and Silk in the 90s. I voiced dub plates with him. Mm -hmm. I met him through Jack Scorpio. This is when he had his first one song out. Scorpio said, Bobby, Bobby, this youth here is going to bust. Mm -hmm. I was just leaving Jamaica, and I met him. And then when I came back, like six months later, he had hit records. And I voiced a couple dub plates with him from a sound. And then next thing you know, you know, he passed, you know, he passed away, but no, I had, I had got the acapella mm -hmm. and that's how I remixed that and put that on the rhythm. Got you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but now all through the nineties, that's a story. Like a lot of people don't realize though, cause I can't even remember like 97. If you get to 97, that's when I came with the cuss cuss rhythm. Mm. And this one here is crazy because this is one of the only rhythms I know that you had like Shinehead on. There was Anthony B on it, the King Kong again, the well, Tristan Palmer, uh, and Borobunta. Anthony B could tell you Master B is one of the first sounds to voice him on dub plate. Because Boro okay. make a, and Boro said, Bobby, that you did bad, send the money. And that's when I think his, his first song, what was maybe Hurt My Heart? Mm-hmm. Hurt my heart, then they can't hurt my soul. So I just sent, sent him, we got some dubs with Anthony B, built a relationship with him, and I knew somehow I got the Nobello from Star Trail. And uh, uh, I had to cuss cuss with him. Now, that's this is where my relationship with Rankin Joe comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, I bought a couple of rhythm from Rankin Joe because I, you know, I love the rubber dub sound. I love mm -hmm. that era when the artists just sing around the sound. I love that sound. And at that particular time, people call it Jaw Works, but the Under Misensi, Barry to Levy, rhythm was relicked. I know it even relicked. Bobby got a cut of the rhythm from, uh, what's the guy's name that produced with Rankin Joe? Screw? Just Screw? Just Screw. 
Josh Screw. He got it from uh, Josh Screw. Screw and Rank and Joe used to work together, do rhythm together. Uh, me and Joe are friends, so we worked out a business, and I, you know, bought some rhythm from him. Uh, that's when I, now I got the Cuss Cuss, which was originally done by Roots Radic Band. Yes. Okay. Real drum and bass, bad, bad fucking rhythm. Mm -hmm. And Shinehead's in the Bronx. I, you know, I linked up Shinehead, and I, you know, he know me. I know him. I remixed some of his stuff when he was signed to Elektra, mm -hmm. so forth. And uh, I, uh, we took the Drew Hill song, and Shinehead's is one of the most talented people you ever meet in the world. Rap, mm -hmm. DJ, sing, fucking incredible, like. Like there's a couple of people I met like that that can do them kind of things. Like if you ever really listen to major hype sing, rap, mimic people, tell jokes and 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 major hypes on that level, Shinehead can sing like fucking Michael Jackson. Crazy. So he sung that right in my fucking kitchen. <laughs> Put the mic there, sung it there. I gave him the lyrics. He studied the came, shelled it. Uh, I went to Jamaica now. Mm -hmm. This is where going back to relationships and dealing with people good. King Kong's back in Jamaica now. Mm -hmm. I link him. I said, yo, somehow I link him or somehow the link is there. He hollered, some, he, he, he put word out for me. Yo, Ray. Mm -hmm. I said, yo, you know, obviously King Kong's heyday was more with King Jammies in them. Mm -hmm. But Sound Boys like reggae dancehall sound boys and dancehall people, not just people that love champagne, but dancehall people love that sound. And like the motherfucker, he came, voiced that song. It's like a fucking spiritual vibe took over the room, son. Hmm. Like he sung it in like one or two takes. And it's a rumble jumble life. But what? I said, what? Forget it. What the fuck we doing after this? Nothing. <laughs> Not easy. Yo, son. So, yo, my G, it, it, like, and then I linked, obviously, Burrow, we're in the lab. We're all in Anchor Studio. Burrow Voices take a set. Mm-hmm. Another great lyrics from Bad Son. You know, the intro, bang, dang, digga, dang, dang, digga, dang, 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 they take us and take that. And then when he did his dub plates, I said, Bori, you have to learn to adapt the lyrics for the sound with them because in the 90s, they just didn't want the song with their sound name in it. They want you to change the lyrics. Like, Bounty Killer helped do that. You know, we can't do take a set, Bori. It's got to be killer set, killer set for the dub plates. And then Anthony B comes and does Warrior. Incredible song. So, and then I linked up Tristan Palmer because he had the original Cuss Cuss. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually voiced a dub with him and then he did the song. Uh, I have them five. And then after I released them five, Little John's actually in New York and, and he links me and he says he wants to go on the rhythm and he voiced no one better. Mm -hmm. Anything that you can do, I can do it better. Because actually, I, I actually... I had voiced Little John one other time on my taxi rhythm. He did true confession over. Okay. 
on on the taxi rhythm so he was on the album so i had a relationship with these guys and 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 cats you know like people started knowing me as this a good youth you know you know fine youth brooklyn youth whatever and 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 you know like you're, you're paying your dues you're putting your work in and you're paying people you know you know they, cats ain't gonna do shit for free for a farm sure. anyway <laughs> Motherfuckers are suffering no and this is the reality it's economics times mm -hmm. are hard in jamaica so they don't want to fucking see a motherfucker looking like me on some baggy baggy shit. And I ain't no I ain't that dude anyway. You know what I'm saying? I want to leave feeling I want everyone feeling good. At least I paid you, you know, I paid you first service. We can't agree on the price and don't fucking voice the song. I told artists that already. Because mm -hmm. then the motherfuckers try to switch up and try to boy, I say, yo, homeboy, we can erase that shit. Mm -hmm. Don't have to come out. Then we, then you're feeling good that you don't feel like I robbed you. You know what I'm saying? But most 99.9% .9 of the time, it always worked out. Here, Ray, boom. And I felt, you know, felt good about that. Now, times are different because, you know, ain't no money running, like, like mm -hmm. off this digital shit for Ray. Oh, Shaggy, Shaggy can tell you that. So that's kind of like the 90s. Mm -hmm. Damn. So then let me bring you up. I'm not sure how far we're going to skip forward. You could bring me back if we need to. This is now an artist that you put on the map, which would be Collie Buds. How did you link up with Collie Buds? Well, even before Collie Buds, I just want to tell you a story about Chiller Inch. Mm -hmm. Chiller Inch turns Rasta. Mm -hmm. People don't realize this. Chiller Inch is Chesedek. Chiller Inch is my G. I just spoke to him last week. We're doing a song. We re-licked re the rhythm. My voice, Tim, Chesedek. Uh, and uh, I already got Buru on the rhythm. And, and uh, it's a reggae rhythm, a dance song rhythm, like reggae, reggae, one drop. Yeah. And uh, I leaked up Coca T. It's the first time I'm voicing Coca T on the rhythm. But anyway, that's coming out soon. Uh, and uh, yeah, so me and Chesy did a lot of work before he was Chesy, mm -hmm. Chesedek, you know? Uh, and like, if you just want to jump in the 2000s, you'll know that I did an album for Chesedek and- Yes, the red cover, the red cover album there. It's a picture of him. I actually licensed that album to VP. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest songs on, on there, which you might know are some of his biggest songs next to his biggest, maybe his biggest song, some was maybe Leave the Trees. That's not my mm -hmm. song. But the song I did with him was called In and a Road. Mm -hmm. Nadi Road on a Ja Love rhythm, Yabi You rhythm. Big fucking song, big video. And then also a next one called Call Upon Them. Call Upon Them, poor people are Call Upon Them. Now that was featured on Grand Theft Auto 4 in 2007. Okay. I had on, on, on Grand Theft Auto 4, the big video game, mm -hmm. I do Massive B Radio. Mm -hmm. I like. I made sure I licensed some songs I produced so my people could eat on the radio, and and that's the relationship with Chessy. Now, Kali Buds, they came to me and wanted me to press some of his forty fives up, mm -hmm. and uh, my friend Pee Wee from uh, Pretty Posse Sound in Queens, uh, who was actually part management uh, with, for Cranium, mm -hmm. uh, Pee Wee, uh, linked me with Kali Buds, and and we linked up, and. They gave me some finished songs that is because I took Pee Wee one time because Pee Wee talks on the mic. I had to go to Europe. I didn't have an MC at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Jabba was booked out and I had to go to Europe and play uh, 
and and I forget who I was using at the time or whatever. Maybe it was sick or something. Mm-hmm. And I say, Yo, Pee Wee, it's not you know, it's it's, it's not no hardcore dance, but you gotta have energy. Mm-hmm. So it's not like lyrical. These people just want energy. Mm-hmm. And Pee Wee, when he went to Europe, and then he walked around the festivals, they were selling forty fives. And then wherever he went, he would see massive B forty fives, and realize how big the label was within the reggae dancehall community around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that side of the world, let's say, and he, uh, when we came back, he's he's managing so and so, and he said, "Well, to give Kali Buds some credibility, <clears throat> Bobby, will you press some of these songs for us?" So I'll have the, the Master B imprint and so forth, because I didn't really know Kali Buds at the time. Okay. Talented, very talented guy, mm-hmm. very talented guy, great guy cool cool ass guy and uh we, we you know we did some work together and then they just gave me some songs to put out for him and the song you know the 45s did great i mean he's very talented you know what i'm saying and you know uh you know he's he's on obviously doing great things because he's working with ineffable records now uh which is a cali based uh rec- reggae label mm-hmm. digital distributor as well and they actually, I've been working with them for the last year as well, where they're working, uh, putting out my catalog. Uh, and that that was the, that's the link basically with Kali Buds. Yeah, because I know his big song came out on the Master B label, which was Come Around and Mamacita and all those songs there. And yeah, Tomorrow's, tomorrow's Another Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dope's producer from Black Chinese, Super Dope's. Yeah, to, Kali Buds is dope. Yeah crazy another person that you you have a uh, two people that you have solid solid links with would be elephant man and vibes cartel yeah well ellie now is the link through bounty killer right because killer's the man in jamaica him and beanie man are at each other's neck but killer's the man in jamaica as far as we're concerned big up beanie man we can all laugh about this later but like we're, we're, we're riding because at that time you were either riding with beanie or you're riding with killer mm-hmm. you know and and we were riding with killer and killer had his his whole sea view crew mm-hmm. you know his people's harry toddler nitty kutchy boom dynamite and elephant man well i met elephant man uh they knew who i was and i like i, I was in record factory which was a dub cutting studio one day mm-hmm in Jamaica with Boro and Vice and everybody, Sister Mans, Sister Nancy, everybody. You know, I was, I, I suspend. And uh, Ellie and them was there. And we just, you know, we voiced the dub and then we just built a relationship. But the relationship was there before we knew each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This through killer. And we just always worked together. Any rhythm I had, I just would holler at Ellie. You know, I mean, I did scare them crew, even though they voice kick in the door. I had to revoice it for my label. Okay, they revoice it for Master B. Kick in the doorway, in the 4 4. You know, Ellie was just taking off of the hip hop lyrics. And then we just, we just stayed like Ellie, you know, me and Ellie. Ellie got a great energy, man. Ellie got his uh, a fun vibe and a great energy. Like, he's a dude, This it's always just good vibes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he brings, he, Ellie brought, he, like brought fun to dance hall, made people smile. And uh, we just voiced a lot of songs, you know, even on my, my, like my temple rhythm, my culture rhythms, I would put Ellie on sometimes to okay. see if it would work or it's like, 
I throw him a food, he'd voice a song, and it just like back then you just voice and rhythm, and you just don't you never know what's gonna connect. If most things don't even connect big, but like he even told me one time he in Trinidad he voiced a bag like voiced a bag of dub plates for the one song he did on one of my culture rhythms or like rubber dub rhythms. Okay. You know, so it's just like you know what I'm saying? You just stay working, you stay active. Mm-hmm. And uh the cartel link came through killer too. You know, like because Bounty Brook vibes. Mm-hmm. And we voiced dubs with him and he actually probably knew Jabba before me. Mm-hmm. Jabba was down in Jamaica voicing the dubs. And uh, we just linked, and I just started putting them on my rhythms. Uh, there was a period. Uh, there was a period where, when the thing really went digital, I got lost in the business, you know. But before we get to that point, I would say you can't forget in two thousand four, and it took me four years to release this rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the truth and rights rhythm massive reading yeah and that's when i had voiced first johnny osborne probably back in 99 wow and i just had the rhythm sitting because me and johnny was just doing a little work and you know i just had it sitting i just loved the rhythm you know and sometimes when your music when you just love music sometimes as a producer or even a sound boy you cut a dub plate because you just love the fucking song mm-hmm. it may not even play the dub plate but you get caught up in this loving the fucking music and loving the dub plate i got so many dub plates that i just you know mm-hmm. i love the fucking song mm-hmm. uh and the truth and rights rhythm uh i have to big up mad band myrie ricky myrie was living in the bronx at the time as a musician another mm-hmm. person i met through uh, through philip smart and uh he built a, a most of not no like probably from 2000 or from after the cuss cuss he built a lot of my culture rhythms okay okay he didn't do the the cuss cuss or the taxi or the stalag or the sick or none of that but he did the truth and rights he did the jaw love rhythm and so forth uh he did the Dundam rhythm too, where Killer did Fire with Fire. Uh, but uh, that rhythm was massive. Chuck Fender, all about the weed. Uh, uh, Trini Rasta Youth had a number Gary Kill, bro. That's one of my personal underground Brooklyn y type of songs that's on the rhythm there. The Carrie Kill picture, Celestia. His video was wicked. He did with the school kids. Oh, incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, and then you had King Kong on a rhythm, another great song. Mm-hmm. A rhythm go where I wanted to go. And then I was trying really to work hard with a young Rasta artist out of Jamaica named Chopper Chop. Mm. And he had a song called Lovely Day. The kids are going to school. It's a lovely day. Like real positive. And uh, then I kind of remixed Johnny Osborne's song a little bit with Burro. So Burro. I always thought Burro said Burro. Yeah, massive B. How the fuck you don't have a song for this rhythm? And then I said, Burrow, put a verse, put a verse just so we can like have like a little flavor. There's something different than this having, you know, like add a DJ like they used to do back in the day, add a DJ to the song, you know. And uh, the Sizzler song was incredible. Mm-hmm. I had voiced Sizzler a couple times uh, and that song did great. Give y'all thanks and praise, you know. So it was a massive rhythm. Richie Spice, obviously was the number one song off of the rhythm uh because the hip-hop 
people embrace that. And it, it, that's another song that got mainstream radio play in New York. Okay. It played with the rap records, the hip hop records. And then uh, I can't remember when Gaia Lee came out. T.O.K. them. Yeah. T.O. 206, How did you connect with them now? Because they're different. They're, they're not the regular Kila vibes cartel. Like, how do you link with a T.O.K.? Well, we had, like, Jabba had voiced them on dub plate. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and, I mean, they were, like, at that particular time, they're the younger generation. Mm -hmm. You know, the newer, the newer. They were out at this time. But, say, they were, like, like I must, to some people, I must sound really fucking ancient because I'm <laughs> Nick Demas and Burrow and Supercat and then Bounty Killer, so forth, and, and Cartel. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But... And, and and these are like a real street, you know, not like uptown artists. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but we did this linked with them like you know this is natural. You know what I'm saying? Because I I I embrace everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like you know wherever you're from. You know whatever. If it's the love for the music, the love for the culture, and 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 it, it connects, it connects. For sure. We just uh, actually. The direct link for them, I linked up with Shams, right? And I asked him to build me some rhythm. And Burrow and him sat in the studio the one night and built the rhythm. Uh, the guy y'all lead rhythm. So we voiced them. And then back then, obviously, this had to be 2005, I'm thinking. Uh, he put a, bag of, a lot of people under rhythm. And and uh, assassin went. I think I think assassins on the rhythm. Spraga, uh, bounty killer. Uh, Boro had money friend. And and here's the thing about Boro now, right? People don't realize it wasn't getting to play in Jamaica, mm -hmm. but in Europe and around the world, money friend is as big as Galia lead. Not. Yeah, Crazy. in America because T.O.K. Gaia Lee got mainstream radio mm -hmm. like daytime radio it was a massive hit but outside of America or New York you go to Germany Italy and then places borrow songs as big boom them are ready we are boom them again boom out the hypocrite boom a money friend you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. and 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 Banton song was fire killer song was fire the rhythm was bad mm -hmm. bad and then somewhere in that juggling I can't remember if this was before mm -hmm. a leader after I put out the rock rhythm and that had the big song and I got a big up. Here's how the rock rhythm happened. Now I'm getting a call from Boro. Mm -hmm. Yo, Bobby, this rhythm is bad. Link up super twitch. He's your boy. Super twitch and Suko built that rhythm. Okay. Super twitch from Afrique. Mm-hmm. Super Twitch robbed me. Super Twitch robbed me. You know, no. Super, I'm joking. I'm joking. Super Twitch. I paid him a money for the rhythm, mm -hmm. right? And then, then I put everybody on that rhythm. Spraga had a number one. Catty, when you're bucket catty, right? Assassin. Spraga brought me Assassin. Okay. Bobby, this is my you. Put him on the rhythm. Assassin had his first number one. May I have two words for you. Fuck you. Okay, that was your that was your song too. 
That's our my, yeah, my rhythm, the rock rhythm. That's Massive B. Killer had his song dissing Beanie Man after mm -hmm. Sunfest. Got to stay in and I go to Sunfest. Beanie Man, uh, right? I tried to get Beanie on it, but he wasn't going like we tracked Beanie, but he didn't want to go on the rhythm. So I had Killer. I had everybody on that fucking rhythm. Elephant Man, um, Major Mackerel, Boro, Bling Dog, Anthony, probably Anthony B. Like, you know, I had 15 people on that rhythm. That rhythm was a massive dub play rhythm and a big juggling rhythm. Mm -hmm. Spragger's song was big. Killer's song was big. I mean, not had the commercial success that Gary Lee, but in the dance in the dance hall, that rhythm fucking used to fucking shell, son. Because as you're saying, there's different regions, there's different places, different songs and different music does good in different son, venues I, or different regions. One off of that. X News Chart. Mm. That, that that was his first number one. Don't get it fucked up, son. No. But. Say that one more time there. I missed who you said it was. Assassin. Yeah. <laughs> Assassin got his first number. That's not that's before Agent Sasco. Mm-hmm. That's before Agent Sasco. You knew that. Of course we knew that. Assassin, oh. Assassin, and then Sasco. We in my mind, I still see him as Assassin. You yeah. know what I mean? But we respect him and say and that Sasco. That rhythm was massive. So now that's the early 2000s, and we reached 2007. I'm struggling because the game is changing. Records are really not selling like one time. I'm trying to adapt, mm -hmm. getting lost. I'm adapting. And that's well, that's when I did Call Upon Them with Chesedek, that rhythm. And then mm -hmm. I also did a song with Buro, which is one of Buro's biggest songs globally, next to Boom With This. It's better than them. Yes, yes, on that hard rhythm there. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. That, that rhythm I call the hmm. No Borders rhythm because I voiced artists from around the world. Hmm. Harry killed Trinidad, Million Styles, Europe, uh, a German artist, uh, 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 Papa Dean's hmm. Simon. I think it's Simon from Mighty Crown. Uh, they voiced on the rhythm, J Japan. So I, I called it the No Borders rhythm, Junior Reed, so forth. But Boro had the biggest song on there. Chesedek had a nice song. Uh, trying to think what would have been. Oh, I had a, a song with Shaggy, Red Fox, and Screechy Dan on the rhythm. Mm -hmm. No Borders rhythm, bad rhythm. But Boro, Boro, Boro song was like off the chain. Off the, and when did you link up with Shabba to voice one man? Oh, wow. That's back in the 90s, I think. That's no, that's not, man. That's comes up to that's in 2000s. Okay, then it had to be like 2001. Yeah, had to be early because that was the that was before the rock rhythm, and it was I had called that rhythm the African rock. Mm -hmm. So that that's 99, 2000, probably then. Mm -hmm. No, man, that's that's before 2000 because I remember I moved out of my building in 2000, so mm -hmm. that's definitely 98, 99. How did you link with him to do that? Because I think well, that's probably one of the only songs you have with him. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Shabba's, you know, it's the God. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'd linked him to voice dub plates. And, uh, you know, I just asked him for a 45 and had a rhythm. And he, he blessed me. You know, we just dealt with the business and he blessed me. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, a, it was a good song. It did mm -hmm. good. Actually, I remixed that. <sighs> wow, that might have been... No, that was '90s because when did Biggie Smalls have hypnotized out? That would be that would be late '90s also. Yeah, and I remixed and and we chopped up, we chopped up me and my boy Nasty chopped up the the Herb Albert Rise beat. Mm -hmm. We chopped it up, so we just didn't take Biggie's instrumental. We chopped it up, 
and made our own rise mm-hmm. beat and and flew in Shabba One Man on it. And that used as a remix and that got hip hop play. Yeah. There's even, we're going to divert from productions to come back to production because this matters here too. A lot of people don't realize that you were the first person to do the um, reggae float at the Labor Day parade. Yeah, this was, was it's actually like Jabba's desire to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew nothing about it. I'm not from Trinidad and I don't, I'm not the carnival guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But he said, yo, let's do it. Ray, and all I kept knowing was another thousand dollars, another thousand dollars, another thousand dollars. Next thing you know, I'm out twenty fucking thousand dollars doing tight. But we were booked out so much, and mm-hmm. it was the start of a beautiful thing because we probably started it two thousand mm-hmm. or ninety nine, mm-hmm. and we didn't really know what we were doing. First two years, we're just putting a reggae sound on the truck. And wondering why our shit ain't hitting like the Trini trucks. Mm-hmm. But we got fucking Bounty Killer on the truck and Elephant Man. So we fucking fucking the hood up. Mm-hmm. Right? We got the hood and we got Jamaica following this truck. But our sound isn't throwing the way it's supposed to. So the okay. next year, I have a friend from a club. There used to be a club in Brooklyn called Elite Arc. His name is Peng. He's like, Bobby, you're doing your fucking truck wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to build a stage. And, and you got to fucking get these horns these massive horns to throw the sound and you can't just put a reggae sound on the truck. It's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's when we stepped up. Cause actually I think the, the first year we used soul Supreme, so a soul Supreme sound. Cause I'm, we were good friends with, uh, we're, I presently still good friends with junior P. Uh, cause we used to do a Sunday night in Brooklyn on Utica Avenue at the rock, which the club name changed every year. Cause somebody got killed or whatever, <laughs> but junior P father P you know, Mama Sally, like, we was all there, Master B, Dub Master, and Soul Supreme, and we had a great relationship, and I just said, you know, yo, we're going to try this, Father P, let's put the sound on the truck and, you know, pay your food. Ray, so we did it one or two years with them, and then uh, I used Father Lloydy, which was uh, Libra Love Sound, the next year. So after two or three years of realizing I, I still need a different kind of sound for the truck. And that's when I link with my friend Peng from Trinidad. We get it. We get it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and we did it for like 10 years. It's just so, it's so cost. It's so expensive. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was hard some years, like, because like the Carnival Association was still more into the pageantry and the Trinidad thing. Got you. And, might have felt like we brought a different element, which we did, mm-hmm. Parkway to the parade. We brought the street element, and we brought the whole reggae Jamaican dancehall element. And because our truck was, you know, massive B, because it was before I had any sponsor, it was just me paying for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that was like the first four years or so. And then '97 got on board, started giving me security around the truck. And then Miyoshi actually sponsored us a little. If you remember, Miyoshi was a Jamaican designer from the yes. Bronx, moved the cap, and uh, he, he gave us a little food. So, you know, every little bit helped. And then uh, an- another lady helped me uh, with some sponsorship from some liquor company or whatever. So, you know, I did it for 10 years. Like, people didn't realize that uh, I was getting sued by somebody for, like, fucking seven, eight years. Because uh, 
you know, some people just feel like you're rich, mm -hmm. you know, and what happened was our crowd was so big. It was realistically, the, 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 the two biggest trucks on the parkway when it came to crowd mm -hmm. was us and the Haitian truck. Yeah. Haiti was fucking outside. <laughs> Haiti was outside representing mm -hmm. real talk. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I guess the lady, uh, and I never want to see anybody get hurt. The lady got pinned up against a tree by a, a police, a police barricade. Mm -hmm. But she said, I, it was my truck's fault because the crowd was following my truck. But I'm like, that's what, that's what the crowd and the kids do. They follow the truck. Mm -hmm. So, it got thrown out of court after like seven years, but it, you know, this to have that weighing on your brain for years, so fucking that's stressful. It's uh, you up. Because yeah. I remember we used to drive down or even fly down Labor Day just to go to the parkway, just to 100%. Once you see that massive B truck pull up, you know, it's a different ball game altogether. Son, if there anybody ever wants to see it, type in Elephant Man, wave your flags. Mm. You will see what our truck was, because that's the song I produced for Elephant Man. Uh, it got pretty big, especially in the Caribbean. And we did the video from the radio show throughout the truck. And on that truck that day, you had Sean Paul, Spice, Beanie Man. Every year we had stars. We had Little John the Rapper. We had Foxy Brown the Rapper. Vibes Cartel. Sizzler. Mm -hmm. Bounty, Ellie, of course. Cartel, Burrow, Baby Sham. Even Allison Hines one year came on. Another year, Marshall Montana came on. Okay. You know, the truck was sick. We did it for 10 years. Yeah, no, because I even remember seeing a picture somewhere where it was Bounty, Vegas was on the truck too. I think Assassin was, it was a couple of them well that was on the truck. Let me see. Where's it at? Oh. <laughs> Hold on. Mm, you see? That's the picture right there, boss. That's the picture. As you said, Vegas is there. Bounty is there. Lexus. Tell me who's in that picture there, Bobby. Oh, man. Rhino, the security, bounty killer security, the big guy with the glasses. Sham, mm -hmm. uh, Lexus, Vegas, a bunch of my friends from Brooklyn. Too many people that, 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 were, that were on the truck that were not supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that truck was sick, son. Uh, here's another one earlier, a year mm. before that. I don't, can you see that? Yep. Truck. Uh, here's an old picture of me and Jabba in the 90s. Mm. But I don't want to bore you with that shit. I, uh, I, uh, hold on. I, uh, post that kind of shit on Instagram. No, I, but that's the stuff we like because remember, this right here, we, as I said, I spoke to you. This is the third oh. time I'm speaking to you, but this is actually now right. getting into it. Uh, tour in Japan back in the day. Mm. Actually, I had a flood in my basement, so I can't even show you all the flyers. Mm. Uh, I had to move a lot of stuff around. I lost actually a lot of memorabilia because we had a flood down here. And, uh, it, it, it fucked up a lot of shit. But let me see. I got some shit here. Let me show you. Let me turn this light on. This is a lead arc Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Not to be anniversary, Stone Love, Mighty Crown. I don't know if you can you see that banner. Mm -hmm. Your 15 year anniversary. Yeah, I guess we're 15 years after this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is a wicked poster that was done uh, in the 90s, an album I got picked up and I did. Uh, actually, Johnny Wonder was doing AR for TVT Records 
and he has mm-hmm. a compilation. And uh, that was the artwork that they did. It was kind of dope. Here's, uh, let me see. I just have a, I didn't even realize. This is a Nicodemus album I put out. Creed, a classic album right there. Classic. Some of the songs. You know, some classic shit. This is King Kong album I put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, big is a other big big thing. Big things. Let me see. Since we're walking the fuck around, hold on. Let me see. Here. Well, I mean, every Thursday I generally post. You know, forty fives and shit. So let me yeah. right on. I mean, just to give people an idea of, of my history, because if you don't have to, if you don't really remind them sometimes. You understand? Yeah, you get forgot. Mm-hmm. Susie Wong. Mm. So I, I could bore you with records and so forth, but yeah, I mean, you know, blessed with an opportunity, you know, to be able to play music and take care of yourself and then work with the icons and your friends and build relationships with people that, you know, yeah, like, you know, you, you know, like me and Boro, like, shit, we've been friends for damn near 30, damn near 30 years. I met Boro years before I started working with him. I met him in Fillmore Ballroom uh, when him and Supercat performed for King Addy's Sound. Mm-hmm. And I met him, and then I just said, yeah, I'm starting to sound. I want to voice two dub plates. And he came over. I was living in that same building. Mm-hmm. It might have been like Christmas Day, and he came over or whatever. He um, told me, when I spoke to him, he told me the story. He said, listen, he was broke, and he needed some money, and he didn't care how far you were. He was coming to voice. And, yeah, it was Christmas Day that he came. Yeah, and he, it was in the South Bronx, and I was living, a girl, girl, my girl, my girl was there, and she made up some food, and probably uh, drank some champagne or something. I don't know, something, some weed and some whatever. whatever. I'm not a champagne drinker, but I think I had a bottle of champagne. So with his vice and dub and smoked and this, that's a, really the first like personal link other than just seeing him at parties and so forth. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Cause we built a relationship where it's, yeah, man, till this day, I, just, I speak to Bora all the time. I know you're a big fan of Sturmars. So you got to work with Nick. You got to work with Nicodemus. You got to work with Supercat. You got to work with Borabanta, Cutty Ranks. The only two big ones out of the crew that you didn't get was Early B and Tenasa. Yeah, and I I had met Early B at Philip Smart Studio. Mm. But I just wasn't, I didn't take the initiative right away to voice him on dub plate. And that's the same as Nitty Gritty. I met him in front of the record store. I'd see him all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, you know, you just don't think things are going to happen the way they do sometimes. And, you know, that's why I tell you, after them experiences back then, I just started, like, just voicing all of the, my fans, you know, all of the, that I'm a fan of, you know, like, you know, all the foundation artists that I just love that said, fuck it, man, I'm just going to, you know, just voice them because I just want to have them on dub plate. I got you. Was the thing rhythm on? Was that a digital? Um, the Rat Squad rhythm with um Cartel, Get the Road, and Get the Easy. Was that forty five or digital? Eleven. Now Ricky Blaze links me, a young Brooklyn producer. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he's, he's actually had some hits at that time. But I remember Ricky as a young teenager playing sound. Mm-hmm. Okay, he built that rhythm, and he said, "I said, send me some rhythm. Let me hear them." And uh, like I'm, 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 I'm still a little lost with this whole digital really thing now, but I'm keeping my label going, like to sustain my thing, you know, because there's a couple years where I'm lost, and I link up Cartel, and the week before he gets locked down, 
we just work it out because it's not the first time cartel voice for me we have a relationship we're cool mm -hmm. and uh he sends me i said well, i really wanted a song like thank you ja mm -hmm. thank you ja we got rides this morning i said give me you know I, you know i'm in love the cultural positive mm -hmm. shit, but sometimes you can't if an artist come with, with the what they have in their brain you, you have to work with it so he did he sends me ghetto road i love it i love it then he links me back. Them time Cartel would voice two songs on a rhythm, usually a reality or a bad man song and a gal song. Mm -hmm. He hit me with the girl song, get gal easy, fuck them easy, then follow me on Twitter. It's gone. Hmm. It's gone. You know, a lot of times it's not even what you do, do for the song. You try to promote music, but sometimes the song just promotes itself and organically this steamrolls. Cartel, especially in 2011, because like I said, he voiced for me before, but we never had the success of get gal easy. And then, you know, uh, you know, we kept the link and so forth. And, uh, you know, we did more recently in 2018 because I was like, I had had a digital distributor, mm -hmm. Orchard. But, but sometimes when you're working with corporate America, you know, like, you know, like corporate people, they fucking don't have a clue with, stuff outside of what they know for sure you know and a lot of times that's really white people dealing with music you know mm. like they're not that are not into the scene yeah you know it's just fucking numbers and music whatever it's not fucking oh hip-hop selling ray that's what they're fucking on now you mm. know uh so it was cool because i was clueless and i was at least getting my some streaming money mm -hmm. but I needed, to, I needed to work with somebody that, like, if I'm submitting a song and I don't use a capital letter, fam, I don't need a fucking email to tell me it's fucking wrong. Fam, fix it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Fix it, fam. And to the point where I'm ready to roll up in their office and turn madman. And then... It ain't going to be good for them, and I'm getting locked up. So I'm holding my fucking head to the point where I just said, I got to get, I, if I'm going to keep do, producing music, I need, a, I need a better way just to put my music out, where I can call somebody and say, yo, the song is done here. Put it the fuck out. I link, in 2018, I go to Jamaica anyway, and I said, I, I got to do something. My friend staying with me, actually a friend from Switzerland. He passed through. He's a producer, musician. He's, he actually does some bookings for me in Europe. Riga. His name is Riga, right? And he produces Cali P out of UK, uh, uh, Europe, Switzerland. Yeah, you know, I meet, meet people around the world, so enough time if they come to New York, I say, yeah, well, come stay at my house. I got a room. Just come stay. Save your money. You know what I'm saying? So he said, yo, why don't you... It might have been his idea to do the legacy, Master B Legacy Volume One. And uh 2018, that's when I compile some of my biggest songs and put them on it. Like Gaia Lee, Get Gal Easy. Let me see what hold on, let me tell you what songs I put on this motherfucker. <laughs> Just that the fucking I think I got the CDs here. Where the fuck? One of these motherfuckers. Yeah. 
What was on this? Uh, 2018 Richie Spice. Mm-hmm. I, re- I have a cartel song I, I didn't really release called What You're Selling. Yeah. Uh, so I put that out on there as the new song. Gayali, Buru Batter, Nem, Kalpa, Nem, Wave Your Flags. Big song on the Heavenly Rhythm. My biggest song was Scissor. Ja will never fail. I. Yes. Big song. Chronicle, my God. King Kong, Rumble, Jumble Life, and a bounty killer, suicide, and murder. Mm-hmm. Lord Clark, Brooklyn representative coming, dropping bombs on you, son. Nah, son. <laughs> the fuck is they saying, son? Yo, fuckers getting streams and they be high. Puss him out, blood clot hits. Yo, listen, listen, I'm talking shit, son. Work with me. I'm black, you know, it's not this. You know what I'm saying? Don't feel like I'm hype. You might just turn on and feel like, damn, this motherfucker hype. Yo, never, so never. Anyway, anyway, right, we're laughing. Riga is staying with me and said, yo, let's build a rhythm for that cartel song. So mm-hmm. we sit down, build the rhythm, so forth, so on. I get it mixed. And he says, let's make a wicked cover. And he takes all of like my mem- mem- memorabilia, if I'm saying it right. And he takes, mm-hmm. he's a photographer too. And he takes the picture of that and designs the cover. And there's my two inch machine there, my 24 track two inch machine. You know, there's a gold record, but that's actually back in from like 95, they used to have the mixtape awards. And okay. I got a mix, I got a mixtape award back in the day. You know, the street shit. Mm-hmm. And posters, flyers, and records and so forth. So that was 2018. I go to Jamaica. Um, I, 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 I hire Press K. I, I never did this before. Mm-hmm. You know, I never promoted myself. Okay. Right? I always promoted Buru, Jabba, people on the sound. Mm-hmm. I was cool being, like, I was kind of introverted. Like, mm-hmm. like people feel like, if you was in the streets and know me from the streets, then you say, motherfuckers, we drink a f- old English 800 and smoking weed and it's all some Brooklyn shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, mm-hmm. I was I wasn't introverted. I was in the streets, but when it came to taking pictures, my mindset was like, I ain't no fucking, you know, he's like, no, I got, you. I understand. Oh, we was not 100%. puffy. We was mm-hmm. not on that puffy shit. We should have been, Mm-hmm. But we wasn't, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I had to learn. I said, "Damn!" Especially with the the, the the thing of social media coming, I had to learn to come out to come out and be more free and just talk to people. And even though the dance all year of the '90s, early 2000s was very ugly in New York, a lot of people died. So mm-hmm. you, you, familiar, you didn't really let let people get too close to you. So it's like I go to the yard. Like, and these set of people heard of Massive B, heard of Bobby Condes, but never met me because I didn't go there. When I'm in Jamaica, I'm going to Skateland. I'm going to the studio. I'm going to Weddy Weddy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to them places. I'm going, like, more recently, Tower Hill on Thursdays, uh, All-Star Thursdays with Art Arthur Well and the men. You know what I'm saying? You know, then linking up with a Witty and boom boom and them and harry hype uptown mondays mm-hmm. where he used to have a record shop in brooklyn in the 80s okay you understand i'm saying to put mad records out shelly thunder Kuff, teach mm-hmm. the youths barrington levy people don't realize what he had a, a big record store in brooklyn in the 80s so i'm back in jamaica now i'm going to do these rounds these press rounds and it's, i'm getting mad love and the love is there i appreciate it real talk jamaica show the kid love and i'm you know winford the whole nine i guess cartel finds out Ray through his people they holler at me and the link the link is still there and 
by saying less, you already know the music. We put our work in and you already, you know what I'm saying? Then we do About Us, which was a big song in New York, especially mm -hmm. the hip hop DJs, because with the current situation of the continuation of racism and police brutality mm -hmm. on the black and brown man in America, so forth, so on, the hip hop DJs really gave the song love. Yeah. It's a dance hall rhythm, and to some of the younger Jamaicans, dance hall rhythms are old sounding. Got you. Uh, to the young dance hall selected them, but it, it was a dance hall rhythm, and they don't give a fuck about us, we don't give a fuck about them, right? And it did great. And then, uh, what was that 2020 or 2019? No, 20, 2019. And then 2020, uh, <clears throat> near the end of the year, I released the Junior Reed Bag Alert mm. and the Talk Reach, the guy's a boss, and he did Bad Man on the Bag Alert beat, which is kind of like a, a pop smoke type beat and <laughs> got crazy fucking love in the streets. That's the one with him, Sicker Rhymes, and uh, Lisa Mendez? Or Lisa Mercedes? Mercedes? Mercedes, yep. Yeah. And 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 uh it did it was just, you know, I just fam, we just it's music and we just try things. Mm -hmm. You know, as I tell younger people if you're out there, you just have to try. Mm -hmm. You don't know where it's gonna go, you don't know what it's gonna lead to. I got two questions for you before I got you out of here. The business now, because when you speak to a lot of artists, especially the ones from like the 80s and the 90s, they always say, oh, producers didn't deal with me good. I got robbed and all of these stuff here. But I'll tell you this much. When it came to that argument, I've never, ever, ever heard your name in that argument whatsoever. When did you learn the business and how did you I deal didn't with learn the business. I learned the business from the streets and my father. Respect mm -hmm. people. Deal with people properly. You understand? And I already know the climate between what the white man has done to people around the world. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So if I'm going to perpetuate that, then I'm part of the problem. Got you. I'm not, I, I'm not that dude. I'm not no bitch ass motherfucker, but I'm not that dude. I deal with people accordingly and I deal with them right because I know I like to be dealt with right. And it's funny, like in the dance world, the regular world, where remember always the one or two pussy old promoters, they'll say that didn't deal with us good. You know what I'm saying? And that, that'll hurt you the most because you worked all night and the motherfucker shorted your money or whatever. But, and overall, most motherfuckers deal with, deal with each other good. You understand what I'm saying? So if you work, if you work as a selector, see, just say 200 times in a whole year mm -hmm. and you got f fucked over five times, that means 195 times you got dealt with good. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. For you know sure. what I'm saying? But this me as a person... I just respect people. You know what I'm saying? And whatever the agreement is, I try to fulfill that agreement. And it's generally not hard because back then it was like really not paperwork. It was just like, like I want to voice you, what are you charging me? Mm -hmm. and either I can afford it or I can't. You understand? And I just dealt with cats, you know, and that's where like, I just have a great relationship with Nicodemus used to come stay stay by me all the time and come hang out and like me and Boro became family, you know what I'm saying? Like so forth. Like most cats that are around me, like we just you know, it's just it's nothing wrong with trying to deal with people good. You know what I'm saying? And you know, you build relationships that way, you know. You understand. Great, great answer there. When it comes to even right now, even in the digital era, you don't really see a lot of jugglings come out right now. You yeah. as a producer, 
why why do we not see the juggling rhythms like we used to see them in the 90s or early well i think i think we're in a different era now right we're in a different era now where the young music is a youth driven business first mm -hmm. of all i think we can agree on that mm -hmm. right even though I got a reggae rhythm coming out with Coca T on it, Chesedek, Buddha, so forth, it's a reggae rhythm. I'm doing that more from for a global perspective, mm -hmm. right? Not necessarily thinking it's going to play on Bosi Tuesdays in Jamaica, <laughs> because you know that Jamaica has its uh, its own new sound now, yeah. right? Over the last five, seven years or whatever, such as Trinidad as the Trini Bad sound or the Zest sound, music is very regional. Everyone has their own sound and what they're into. Uh, Jamaica, the younger generation, the younger producers, things transitioned over the years from Dave Kelly to the genius and this, that, and the other, right? The traditional dancehall sound has changed in Jamaica, but it doesn't mean that people globally still don't love it. Mm. With a Drake or a Rihanna, a Justin Bieber, they're going to have influences and have a dancehall feels in some a lot of their songs and people love it. Mm -hmm. Right. But Jamaica, the younger producers created their own sound. And you can't tell a kid that's in the garrison in Jamaica, like that has not really been exposed globally and un to, to, to know the levels of of what uh, Supercat or a Bounty Killer or a Beanie Man or a Sizzler or a Vibes Cartel know because they've traveled the world. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily when J Jamaica was doing different forms of dance all over them eras. I don't necessarily know if the producers or artists were really trying to make music, global music. I just think globally people accepted it and Got liked it because it. it made them dance. Mm -hmm. Now, the only thing I would say about the dance all trap sound that maybe has lost a global appeal, it's not really... It's more bang the wall music and bust two shot music than dance music. And that's where maybe over the last five or seven years, right? Uh, maybe a chronics is okay because he's doing more reggae influenced music, but the Afro beats uh, has, is more of dance oriented music. 105, it's 100 beats per minute, 105 where a lot of dancehall is, but you're not getting dancehall. The young sound out of Jamaica is dancehall trap, mm -hmm. which they call it. And that's the young sound out of Jamaica. And for the young Jamaicans, when they hear a dancehall rhythm, they think that's old music. Got you. And they're doing their form of new dancehall now, but it hasn't maybe had the global appeal and maybe it's because people cannot, because you have to understand if a person in Europe is listening to dancehall, fever cartel, I'm so blessed, Mr. Vegas. If they don't understand the lyrics, they can dance to it. Mm -hmm. If you listen to a dancehall trap, it's not really dance, dance music. So hence now here's, here's something people don't realize also is numbers, right? You have less, say, Jamaicans in Europe in Japan and globally, because there's only 2 million Jamaicans in Jamaica mm -hmm. and we're 50 years or 60 years, whatever fuck from the Bob Marley era. So you have less influence globally on the younger generation around the world. Whereas you have 200 million Nigerians in Nigeria that how much more live in Europe. So the kids now, 
and the kids around the world are probably going to be more influenced musically by their friends that they go to school with, which maybe have more of a African uh, heritage or background. Hence, they would be playing WizKid more mm. than a dancehall artist, let alone uh, the, the Afrobeats is dance oriented. Whereas if they don't even understand Burner Boy, they can, yeah, 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 yeah. They can dance to it. <laughs> it's simple. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's, and then another market that the dancehall market lost was a while ago maybe 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. People don't realize this because all through the 90s, early 2000s, Latinos, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, all through South America was really following the dancehall artist. Mm -hmm. Now, Charlie Black had great success. And so one or two songs have had great success, but we're not getting the success that we used to get from the Latino market because they have their own reggaeton. They have Daddy Yankee. They have Jay Balvin. And these artists on Spotify are doing better than your American Beyonce and are doing as good as Drake. Like these, these fucking guys, these numbers, mm -hmm. Drake's your biggest monthly listen to artists in America, right? I think. Mm -hmm. I think Jay Balvin got millions more than him. So the Spanish language is such a global phenomenon that they're not them people that would say into dancehall or whatever aren't even paying attention to dancehall. They're going straight to the language that they know. And obviously reggaeton comes off of Dirt's Man Hot This Year, Shabarang's mm -hmm. Dembao, and so forth, so on. Dirt's Man Hot This Year, Philip Smart, HCF Studio, Sting International. Crazy. So it's like, I don't know if, if we're going to ever get that, like go back to that, golden ear with that they want to call but <clears throat> you can't be mad at the younger generation because if 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 they're not really exposed globally and they just know that their shit is hot in Seaview or their shit is hot in Tivoli Garden or their neighborhood and they're getting supported and that's their ticket to eat a food they're not pre what was done in 97 mm -hmm. or 2003 they just know that this shit is hot for them now and this is their chance. And you can't fight or or like be mad at, you know, oh, damn, it's like hip hop ain't what it used to be or whatever, whatever, whatever. No, things evolve and change, man. For sure. You know, and it's not to say this always may not be better for you, but this is what this 18 year old is trying to do. Now, obviously, I learned from the late 80s <clears throat> and my boss at WBLS told me this. He said, Bobby, you're going to lose a lot of the creative side out of hip-hop and the positive side out of hip-hop once mainstream America, and he meant the major labels, gets involved. Mm -hmm. And it's business, son. It's numbers, and they're selling numbers, and they're, they're, that's just what the fuck it is. So, you know. Comes out to the numbers game. Bobby, this conversation about your journey in the business as a producer has been a epic conversation because again we see you on the radio we see you all about doing all these stuff but we never really get to hear in one place everything that you've done and again what we've heard in the last 
call it two hours now. It's still not the full journey. No, hey, hey, I got a song dropping the 29th with Cyclone and Cheddar Boss and Kiss Go Hype, a young producer I'm working with called uh, uh, Don't. What was it? Oh, fuck, my brain ain't good, man. What the fuck don't bend oh bend down bend down and push it back bend down it's a party song mm -hmm. and then after that we're dropping the reggae rhythm with coca tea <laughs> coca tea burrow uh chesedek and we'll try to get one two other artists on the rhythm this is a straight uh reggae reggae vibes like nice nice reggae vibes good nice so i'm not to cut so you but where, where where can they check out your stuff on bottom instagram bobby connors with the k k-o-n-d-e-r-s if you actually listen to this lengthy ass interview uh, not even was an interview, a conversation. Conversation. Yeah. Conversation. Where Probably. could they check out your music online? This type of song with the artist, it'll be there on Spotify. You know, if you want to hear uh, Cartel Get Gal Easy, type in Vibes Cartel Get Gal Easy. You'll hear it. Everything Everything is up. Massive B, digital. Type in the artist in the song title. It's, it should be up. Should be good. One or two things maybe didn't reach yet or whatever, but 90% of the catalog is up. You're there. We work. Bobby. Bobby, thank you so very much. And when could they check you out on Hot 97? Leave that plug. Every too. Sunday, 9 to 11, New York City time. 9 to 11, or you can log on to hot97.com and hear us. So don't be frightened if you hear two rap records. The boss makes us play a couple rap records, but we're definitely playing all the hottest and the latest artists from Jamaica, the latest dance hall. So it's definitely up. It's definitely current. Definitely. Bobby, thank you so very much for sitting down and doing this with me today. You understand? No, it's all love, family. Thank you, man. Take care of yourself. I appreciate it, man. In fact, you actually want to sit here and hear my story for two hours, man. You're incredible. Of course, bro. Of course. Let me give you an outro and get you out of here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. Bugger. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.